Hey everyone, do you love movies? Do you like betting? If you do, then Box Office Bets is the podcast for you. With Tom Cunningham and myself, Brian Ortega, we'll guide you through Oscar season with our breakdown of each Oscar contender and give you our projections based on what the betting market is saying about each Oscar race. Make sure to check us out every week as we focus on a specific movie and break down its best chances to win right here on Box Office Bets. Welcome to Concierge Confidential. I'm Brian Ortega, your host, and today this is episode two of Concierge Confidential. And today I'm actually going to take you on a journey of how you could become a concierge. So really this is my personal story of how I became a concierge here in Las Vegas. And it's always different depending on, you know, who you are, how old you are, how much experience you have, obviously. So today, I'm really going to explain to you really what are the things that uh, people who are hiring concierge, who work for hotels, obviously, uh, are looking for. And I hope you can maybe take some of this away, especially if you're, you know, maybe a younger person or somebody who's trying to get into hotels and maybe not work at the front desk. But I'll definitely break down some qualities or attributes you should have when uh, really going after this profession. So stay tuned and we're going to get into it now. So I became a concierge in 2017, which um, is a very interesting, it's very interesting time because it was obviously many, many years before the pandemic. Um, But really it was a time when concierging had become, concierging, um, had become much more, um, much more corporate, I would say, because um, uh, if you ever talk to people who've been in the concierge profession for, you know, 15, 20, some 30 years, um, it definitely has changed. Um, the access you have to uh, like show tickets or uh, complimentary things or sort of the way that you could really operate inside of the hotel has uh, really, really changed. So when I was coming into it, uh, my previous experience had been working as a tour guide. Uh, I was a tour guide for about two and a half or three years here in Las Vegas on uh, a tour bus. And I knew everything there was to know about Las Vegas, which really was probably step number one of really knowing or getting a good leg up on the competition, if you will, uh, for being a concierge. Being a concierge, you have to know a lot about Las Vegas. Um, Again, you are taught these things. You learn these things as you are going through working at a uh, at a hotel but really getting coming into it it's very very helpful especially if you don't have really a hotel background you really have to bring something to the table and I think that's what I brought Um, I thought I nailed my interview which the thing is I had been applying to be a concierge for quite a while um I learned about what concierge were when I was a tour guide. Uh, we would do tours with with concierge to explain what we did and really selling the tour um, so they can you know recommend it to guests. And I really thought, man, I could do that job. All you guys do is 
you guys sell the city, you sell tours, you sell restaurants, and you get paid for it. Um, and I do it for, for free, really. So that's really where I thought I could do that job. So after being a tour guide for a while, I worked at the High Roller, big Ferris wheel, uh, sort of an in-between job, if you will. That was only about nine months. But in that time, that's when I had applied to be a concierge. I got the email back saying that, hey, we'd like to take the next steps with you and which dates work out best for you to come do your interview. Um, so really a shout out to Brittany Reed, who was my uh, manager, or she was the actually, sh- she was the chef concierge for MGM Grand, which was really a great experience working under Brittany because she was also the president or had become the president of the Southern Nevada Hotel Concierge Association. Uh, Snicka is what uh, they call it. And I was super excited, very nervous, I had prepared a lot. You really don't know what to. You really don't know what you're gonna get when you go into an interview for something like this. But I felt good, so we go in, and I walk up to the desk, and it just looks so cool. There's people working, there's guests there, there's two guys uh, standing in front. I'll always remember this, uh, Oscar, and um, I always forget his name, man, and. Uh, they're just sitting there, and I'm, I'm like, I'm here for the interview with Brittany. They're like, oh, yeah, right right this way. And there I go, just very intimidated, thinking this was the most lavish thing. And I see they're in suits, and I'm like, that's what I want to do. I want to be wearing a suit to work every day and really being the guy. So I go back there. I sit down. I'm wearing the best suit I have, which I think I think it was, uh, I think it was a, a black suit. Uh, I think it was a black suit and tie for sure. And then she comes out. She says, hello, are you Brian? I'm, yes. So um, I had my interview with Brittany. And just so you can be prepared for some of the questions that they're probably going to ask you, uh, at least this is how it was for me, uh, they ask you, what's a place if somebody, they always give you a scenario. So what's a place that if someone's on an anniversary that you would recommend to go eat at? Uh, what would you recommend for an attraction in Las Vegas? And then what would you recommend for somebody who's here, you know, with their kids? What would you tell them to do? So they gave me, she gave me like three or four different uh, scenarios. And I always remember I was just on it. I was able to recommend them quickly. I did it sort of like in a salesman point of view. And I knew about this because I have always been interested in how corporate America and hospitality works. So with MGM, they have all their properties and they have all their restaurants underneath it. And that's what I did. So she would ask me and I would recommend an MGM property. And I didn't know this till after, but we actually do have a tier of how we, we actually recommend things. It's always our property, our business. So MGM resorts, and then, uh, the, uh, outside hotels, if you will. So for example, uh, I worked at MGM, so if someone said I want something uh, fancy dinner, I would say Craft Steak, which is a restaurant inside of MGM. And then if someone said, oh, well, I'm going to be at this restaurant or this show, I would recommend maybe uh, I would maybe recommend uh, Le Fleur, which is over at the Mandalay Bay, which that restaurant is not part of it, not inside of MGM, but it's part of the MGM Resorts family. So they still get that um, MGM bit. 
and then you can go out to like let's just say uh let's say uh amalfi which is now uh bobby page restaurant at caesar's palace which is not affiliated whatsoever so that's really how you have to think of the tiers you have to think property first then our company and then you can pick whatever you want after that so i remember that's how i tiered and i think i did a good job there so then they ask you you know what's your experience how would you think outside the box sort of a general sort of interview question and I think I did quite well. And I also knew that I knew the city of Las Vegas. But after the whole interview process, I said, thank you. This was probably, I think, a Wednesday or a Tuesday. And then she told me, yeah, well, you know, we'll let you know by the end of the week. So Friday. So Friday comes and goes. Don't hear anything. No phone call. No email. Nothing. The weekend goes by. I basically live with a decision that I've, I didn't get at this time either. So Monday comes around, and I think Monday was my day off for whatever reason for that for that time. And I get a call, and I didn't know who it was. I don't didn't know the number. Uh, goes to voicemail, and it's Brittany who says she can't wait to. She's very excited to actually let me know that I've been uh, hired as a concierge, and to let you know, give her a call back to see if she, if I want to accept the position, which obviously I did. Couldn't call back fast enough. Super excited. I remember I called my mom, my girlfriend at the time, to let them know that I'd finally done it. I'd finally become a concierge, and uh, I was super excited. So once I, that had all happened, I was over the moon excited. I left my other job, obviously, to do this, and was very excited to get started with MGM. So when you start, you should definitely know that, like I said in the other podcast, you are the Swiss Army knife of the hotel. So you have to be ready to take on a lot of things because you have to know a lot of operations in the other departments. So front desk, you also have to know everything about you know the um, room service. You have to know about uh, housekeeping. Um, how do their schedules work? Who takes care of what? Is that an engineer's job or is that, you know, housekeeping's job? So when I first got there, you get there, you get a big binder with all this information. So I always remember that we had to learn, I want to say, eight or nine different systems that some of them had logins uh, that you had to, that all had to be different and they couldn't be the same. I remember Go Concierge was like, the first thing that we had to learn, and then I think it ended up becoming Alice, but we had to learn about nine different systems before you got started. And then the first day is just unloading a lot of the information, like this is what we use for the front desk, this is what we use for room service, this is what we use for floral, this is what we use for show tickets, which the show tickets one was, I believe, Artix at that moment. And we also had Outbox, which was a totally different... Uh, system that we had to learn for MGM uh, Grand Garden Arena Uh, and I believe T-Mobile had just been built so that was another system that we had to learn so we had to learn all these different systems uh, soon so this was the first job that I had gone home and I told my girlfriend at the time that I don't know if I could do this this is just so much stuff I don't know if I'll be able to take all this in um so after that one day of freaking out uh, i was able to go back and after a couple of weeks we learned all the systems and then you get you jump into it but 
you have to understand getting into concierging that you're going to have to learn a lot of systems and very much know how to type, but really know how to work the computer. It is very much a computer job. Um, you can know everything. You should probably still know how to use Google because every once in a while you get thrown a curveball. Sometimes you'll have to know when things open or close. And it's good to know it on hand, but really you have to help sort of have that backup. So uh, that's that's sort of my experience, how I got into it. But I would definitely say I had sort of a leg up in terms of being a tour guide. But let's just say you're not a tour guide. It's maybe your second or third job. Maybe you're still in school or um, you're out of school. Uh, cash handling is kind of a big thing. Just, just basic customer service, even elevated customer service, because they will teach you how to be elevated. But if you're trying to get into it with a leg up, I would say having a high level of customer service is very, very uh, important. Um, I would definitely say that's the key because you can learn all those other systems. But if you are not good with people, you will not be good at this job. Um, you can sort of skate by if you want, but you really have to be dedicated to great customer service. And that would I would definitely say that's number one uh, of how to get this job. Also, being a good listener, um, that's sort of for any job that comes with customer service or any sort of communicating is listening is very important. Because if you listen well, you can pick up on things that people might want that you can use to actually curate their experience. And that's really what I always told people is that I'm not just selling tickets. I'm not just here to, you know, make a commission, which it's part of the job, but I'm here to make your experience and really take ownership of that. Because even though I'm not doing it, I know I'm doing it for somebody that really came to Vegas with the idea in mind of this is what I want to do. And I'm the one helping you do that. And I couldn't be more excited to help people uh, in that effect. Um, I would also say that being quick thinking um, and also thinking outside the box is another thing that you should probably take into account when you want to do some of these jobs. Um, just because the, the great, the great thing about hospitality and also sort of the curse is that everything is very quick. It's going to happen. You can't really plan ahead for a lot of these things or questions that you get. It's sort of, they come up and you have to come up with an answer, whether it's right, whether it's wrong. Um, you don't want to be wrong for sure, but you always want to have an answer or explain why you can't do something. Um, we try to always say yes as much as possible, but we also have to be rooted in reality as well. Um, I cannot get you an elephant to walk you into the hotel um, by Thursday. Uh, give me till Friday and I'll tell you. But really, and honestly, uh, being able to take in information and then give an answer or give a response quickly and eloquently and even maybe a little showy um, gets, you a, gets you a long way in the business. So definitely being quick thinking was good. Um, I think I was, I was very good at thinking quickly, thinking on your feet. Things will go wrong. Things happen. Uh, you try not to let people see you sweat because in the end of the day, as a concierge, being having great customer service, but you are also a salesperson. And being a good salesperson means you know the answer before they ask the question. So I always thought of myself as a great customer service person and also being a pretty good salesman for something that I really enjoyed. So you can definitely tell when I was selling something that I knew was good, 
I could sell it all day. If you walked up wanting to see Zoomanity, I was ready to sell that show to you. So being a good salesperson is, is definitely part of the job because you are in sales. You're there to give information, obviously, but uh, you do have to be able to make a sale. Uh, I always loved that we had, uh, not competitions, but it sort of showed us where we stood in terms of everybody else, how we did, the top performers. It never showed sort of the bottom performers, always the top performers. And it was really, for me, really an honor to be in the top five just because that showed that I was bringing something to the table. So that was something that I was interested in. And I think those are good. I think that's good for, uh, I wouldn't say morale. It's good for my morale. But it's good for, it's it's good to see how you stack up against other people, I believe, in this, in this business. So uh, I always enjoyed the competition aspect of it. Sometimes I wasn't on there, and that made me want to push harder to to be in the top five. So that's something that I always uh, always really enjoyed. Um, let's see here. Just thinking about you know different things that you should know going into the concierge business. Um, being able to be open minded is huge. Um, it's one of the biggest things to understand that you are going to be dealing with people that you may not deal with on a normal basis. Uh, that's all of customer service, obviously, but working in hospitality, I believe you become open-minded just because you work with such a large group of people, especially here in Las Vegas, where hotels have over 5,000 rooms and we have so many employees that you can't really be a closed-minded person. You have to be able to deal with different ethnicities you have to be able to deal with different people with you have to be able to deal with anybody who might be gay or trans or you know anything and i think it actually makes you um more open-minded and able to communicate with many different types of people uh, because you learn so much so i think that is the biggest thing is being open-minded to other people's experiences and beliefs because it actually makes you, I think, smarter. Uh, you can read as many books as you want, but until you hear from somebody about how it's like or what it's like to live in India or what it's like to live in Japan or deal with, when you hear these things from those people, that you become a much more understanding, a much more compassionate person to, to guess, but also like in your own life, I think is a really big deal. So we had a woman who was Japanese who worked with us and actually just talking to her just on an everyday basis, sort of in a joking way, or even if you're just trying to talk or get through lunch, you learn so much about Japanese culture and what it's like to um, live in Japan or work in a, in a Japanese sort of uh, business structure. And you you understand sort of what they what their wants and needs are when they are on vacation. So you can also understand tone. Like, you know, somebody from Miami might be a little bit crazier, a little bit more open-minded and nuts than somebody from maybe Japan who's here with their husband or here on a business trip or here with their wife, and they just want to enjoy their time here. So I think it's really important to have an open mind because it's actually going to make you a better a better salesperson or a better person, a better concierge by just being more open-minded. So I would say being open-minded is one of the most important things about being a concierge. Um, and that also is, is in your personal life too. So I, I personally hate sushi, not a big sushi person, but becoming a concierge, it actually taught me how to 
be more open-minded about food, for example, uh, being more uh, welcoming of unique tastes, spices, uh, different cultural things as well. And you just learn so much about it. So I learned that I like things that I you know, didn't like before. For example, I don't like sushi rolls, but I'm okay with nigiri sushi, which is typically actually the more traditional way of eating it, which is kind of the, the funny way of looking at it. So I would definitely say being being open-minded even for those things is important. So uh, also having the chef in front of you while you're having to eat their food uh, will definitely motivate you to to eat more stuff because you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be insulting to their cuisine. So I think that's important. Um, One other little thing is uh, maybe just creativity, just being able to, again, think outside the box, being able to be creative with just the way that you can describe things. So I had some women come in one time and they needed um, floral arrangements for a banquet that they were doing and they need it by the end of the day. So this was earlier in the day. It was maybe eight, nine o'clock in the morning. And we were able to sort of talk through what we wanted to put together. They said this is for some guests from Asia and they wanted to do centerpieces for this. So I, they showed me pictures off of Pinterest, Pinterest, very good and very bad place for ideas because you're going to see it and it's going to look easy, but it's also going to cost you way more money than you actually thought it was going to be. So knowing about uh, cultures, uh, about bamboo, for example, I always said, I told them, yeah, so bamboo means, bamboo typically means in sort of Asian cultures, continued prosperity. If you are gifted bamboo, especially in a business sense, just because it is a representation of growth for 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 a tree essentially so uh, they really liked that idea so they took that into account and then i told we have this whole thing about the color white in japan and how they don't like the color white because it signifies funerals but the bad thing was is that we love the color white with orchids so the orchids had a little shade of purple so we kind of compromised. We said, it's fine. They'll be okay with just the white flowers. I don't think we're thinking that too far into it. So we put it together. We were able to come up with this idea. We came up with a quote. Uh, by the way, the quote for centerpieces was about, uh, it was about, uh, I believe, $600 for the entire collection of centerpieces, which I believe were five or six. So they said, our budget is $600, so I made sure to tell Bellagio Floral that their budget is $500. So we made sure that we came in under quote. Because if you know anything about floral departments, always give them the cheaper price. Because they can always do it and make it look fabulous for about $200 less than they're quoting you. So just make sure you don't give them the top tier price is sort of my pro tip for from getting quotes from your floral departments, especially when it's open-ended. So make sure that that's the key. Uh, so that, those are kind of my attributes that I'll recommend for you in this pod is these are things that would probably help you. Um, you don't have to go to college. That's not a huge thing. I think they're trying to make it more of something that you would have to do, but really nothing, nothing, trains you in school to work as a concierge it, it helps if you maybe have a hospitality degree but we just know that you want to become a manager someday so that's all we we know 
So especially in Las Vegas, if you walk up and say you're a hospitality major, we say good for you. Just join the line of other ones that we have. Uh, but really, it, it's it's more about your prior experiences with any customer service. If you've ever dealt with VIPs, for example, I have a friend. I'll keep this story short. She was a concierge for us uh, or with me at MGM Grand. Then she became a concierge over at the Wynn. And then she actually had become a butler. So she is currently a butler here in Las Vegas. And I asked her, what was the interview process like? Because, you know, you don't drink. A lot of the butler's jobs are to be able to make drinks, make tea, make coffee. And I was like, was your working as a concierge, you know, helpful? She said yes, but also it was actually more important that I had worked at the pool as a supervisor uh, at Mandalay Bay, which had been, you know, six, seven years ago. So... You really never know what they're looking for. And sometimes you are just the correct person for that job. Sometimes it's just falling in love with your personality. And that's that's how it goes. So uh, I'm really hope, hopeful that this was educational and that you can use this if you're looking into working in hotels. And that's just my personal story of how I became a concierge. And I hope you're able to do the same. Uh, but now it is time for my review of the week, which I will be reviewing Mot 32 at the Palazzo. And that's coming up next. All right. Welcome back to my review of the week, which this will be Mot 32 at the Palazzo, which is actually one of my personal favorite restaurants here in Las Vegas, especially if you want something that is different, not a steakhouse, not Italian, uh, not sushi. And I think this is one of the more interesting places to eat. It can be expensive if you don't order the right things or order the right things. And I will tell you what their signature dish is, just so you know what to look for going into it. So we'll jump into the review. So when I went, uh, I've gone maybe three or four times to Mot 32. It's always more of like a date idea. It's not really a good... Uh, go as a single person, uh, although the bar is fa is fabulous. They have great uh, tea. They also have a lot of Hong Kong cocktails, Hong Kong tea. They do crushed ice cocktails, which are fantastic. And I would definitely recommend those for sure. But they're really known for their Peking duck, which is unbelievable. Um, I've had it three of the four times when I've gone to Mot 32. It's usually for two to four people. It's usually good for that amount. And you're able to, they do a table side service for it where they actually come out with the chef. They'll present it. Then they'll slice it actually at the table, which is fabulous. And then they also give you uh, pancakes. Uh, pancakes, they're very thin for those of you who never had Peking duck before. They're also served with a XO sauce, which is very common to serve with Peking duck. They also have cabbage that usually comes with it. Sorry, not cabbage, excuse me. Uh, cucumber, sorry. Uh, and they are, because it's sort of a nice fresh crunch to it when you actually put it in the pancake, and it's fabulous. And I would always recommend that for like a date idea. So usually the price for the pecking duck is about $108, which sounds like a lot on the surface, but when you know that you're going to be sharing it, uh, that's essentially $50 a person. And that's really what you would spend for an actually less than you would spend for for an entree at a steakhouse. So it's actually a sneaky way to make it look like you're spending a lot of money, but actually 
uh, sort of being a little bit more affordable. Uh, you do have to worry, though, that if you do order many, many other things, that it will definitely drive up the price on the dinner. So just keep that in mind, um, which you are definitely going to order more than the, just the Peking duck because they have a lot of great things in the menu. They have bao buns, uh, which they have uh, pork bao buns, which is what I really love. They're sort of sugary bao buns on top, and then you bite into them, and there's this creamy sauce that sort of comes out with the pork, which is just great. Uh, they usually give you two or three. So usually if you're on a date, you can split the last one. Uh, the other thing that I like to get with the pecking duck is the Abirko pork. It's aged 32 days, which is um, just absolutely mouthwater when you eat it. They're, you know, quite small, but it's really good for two people. I think it's around 32 bucks if you end up getting the uh, pork. Uh, but I would highly recommend if you are a fan of pork. Uh, they also have a lot of dumplings. They have a lot of different types of dumpling choices. Their most famous one is their hot and spicy dumpling soup, which actually is a liquid dumpling. So there's actually liquid inside, which is not good for me because I don't like to eat the entire dumpling because if you only bite half of it, all the soup will drip out and uh, onto, onto yourself. So try to be careful when you're having eating the hot and spicy dumpling soup. Uh, so, again, that one wasn't so much my favorite, but it was interesting to try, especially because it was free. Uh, so make sure you try those things as well. Uh, also, a great thing about Mot 32, which is at the Palazzo, when you're finished with dinner, which I've done this once before. It was also a very expensive evening, so I have to be careful. But after that, we went to Electra, which Electra is the bar which is right outside of mott 32 which is a great way to continue the evening they usually have a dj they ha usually play nice like cool hip-hop so sort of early 2000s and 90s hip-hop which is always awesome for me i always think it's a very chill way to sort of spend the night the lounge is you know loud enough to where it feels like a nightclub but really nothing near what a nightclub in las vegas is like it's more of just like an ultra lounge uh we got a table which for two people, it was like a high top, and I believe it was a $100 uh, minimum, so that's you know $100 spending minimum, which is pretty easy to hit, um, although after drinking at dinner, maybe not the best idea, so just be very, very careful, but Electra is a great bar that's just outside of Mott 32, which does great cocktails. It's definitely a cocktail bar, um, so you're able to order martinis margaritas you can order any sort of high-end cocktail they're able to accommodate or you could just order beer if you want that's always fine too but definitely recommend electra after mot 32 so there you go you get sort of a two for one a two for one uh review of some of my favorite places here in las vegas so that is the end of episode two for concierge confidential hopefully you'll come around again and hear our next review or short review of one of my other favorite places here in Las Vegas. <laughs>